Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, hello, Marie here. Before we jump into this episode, I wanted to let you know that today's show is brought to you by my free workout guide. I've put together a full week of some of my favorite workouts for building curves, gaining strength, toning up, and just feeling amazing. And I want to share them with you guys totally free. Hundreds of women have already completed them and they have sent back nothing but rave reviews. So if you're ready to get sculpted and strong, head to mariewold.com slash free guide to grab your copy right now. Again, that's M-A-R-I-E-W-O-L-D.com slash free guide. I know that you're going to love it. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. Today, we have the honor of hearing from former Texan turned New Yorker, Shanae Alexander, who is an entrepreneur, lifestyle personality, writer, speaker, and wellness expert based in Brooklyn, New York. Her message is to empower women to be better through positive thinking, active change, self-love with a lot of laughing and perhaps even some curse words along the way, a woman after my own heart. In addition to talking about her deep inner dislike of kale publicly in front of thousands on the internet, Shanae also owns a successful event planning company, has a new YouTube channel, and is also in the stage of her first book and is also creating her own podcast. Love it all. Welcome to the show, Shanae. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yes. No, it's so awesome. I feel like after reading that list, I'm like, man, I should make a shorter bio. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's awesome. But before we jump in, just a little backstory as to how we got connected because Shanae, I don't even know if you know this, but I started following you on Instagram because we have a mutual friend who is in the same mastermind as me, Kat Harris, and she was speaking so highly of you. And you guys listening are totally going to understand why. But long story short, longtime followers of my stuff know that my content has really shifted from being like hardcore extreme fitness competitor stuff to more realistic, sustainable fitness, and like doing everything from a place of self-love. So along those lines, Kat was telling me that I need to follow you because you already embody that exact message. So I totally didn't know that we were connected through Kat Harris. But hey, Kat Harris. Yeah introduced us virtually and now we're hanging out. Well, don't tell her that I recorded this and then we'll see if she's like a really being a good friend and listening <laughs> to your podcast. <laughs> cool. So just based on your bio at the beginning, it sounds like you've kind of worn like a lot of different hats over time. So you can either do it briefly or at length, whatever you want. But can you walk us through how things have kind of unfolded to get you where you are today? Yeah. How far back do you want to go? (laughs) We can go go really far back. But basically, I grew up in Texas and came to New York. It was always my dream to be here and came here at age 21 in 2007. So if you do the math, that makes me 32. Came here with two suitcases and had dreams of becoming the next Anna Wintour. Newsflash, I'm not the new Anna Wintour. I am myself. But what was so great was by interning at Nylon Magazine for three months at the beginning of my New York stay, I really realized that I didn't want to do that. And so that was kind of the beginning of my journey of kind of understanding that when things don't pan out for you, it can kind of guide you to where you're supposed to go. And so I applied next for a job as a marketing PR coordinator at a luxury furniture design studio. And I had no idea about marketing, PR, or furniture. (laughs) But I was like, I think this could work. So I applied for the job. And it was the only job I applied for. And I got it. And the way I got it was I was actually at the interview. 
and the owner of the company was looking at my resume and clearly he had never looked at it before. I think a manager had like put me in the mix and then was like, oh, you're meeting with this girl. And so he literally was looking at my resume for the first time and he was like, you don't have any experience for this job. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I was like, I know, but I think I'd be really good at it. And he was like, that's um, okay. And he's like, <laughs> uh, he's like, well, I don't think I can hire you. you know? And I'm like, listen, let me level with you. I said, I'm not sure where I got this level of confidence as like a person that shouldn't have that job, but I had it for some reason. But basically I told him, give me three months. And if I don't do a good job, I'll fire myself and find you someone better than me. But give me three months to prove myself. Yeah. And so I think he was probably just tired of like looking for someone new. So he was like, Mm -hmm. fine. And he was like, well, I don't have anyone to train you. And I'm like, that's fine. I can train myself. All I need is a computer. And so I remember sitting down on my first day and he said, we need a press release for this new product that we have. So as your like first thing, we need this press release to be done. And I remembered sitting at my desk and Googling, like, how do you write a press release? Oh, gosh. Yeah, you know, but you you figure it out. And then, you know what? Press releases became extinct. So we don't even have to do press releases. So basically, I stayed there for a really long time. I was there for eight years. And then my friend was working at ClassPass, and she was like, you should apply for a social media job at ClassPass. We're hiring someone. And I was like, well, I don't have any, I don't, I don't do that really besides like my personal Instagram, you know? And she was like, well, I think you'd like it. And so, and I'd always been interested in fitness. Well, since like 2007, I'd been, been interested in fitness. So basically I started a fitness Instagram account just for the interview. Mm. And so I basically created an account called Get Fit Brooklyn and I interviewed with this woman on the phone from ClassPass and she was like, you don't have any experience. I'm like, and I'm like, I've heard this before. I know what to say. I'm like, no, but I think I'd be really good at it. And she was like, mm, we can't really hire anyone that isn't have, doesn't have experience. And I was like, well, okay. So what was so amazing is I kept going on my Instagram. I, I, I really liked the community of kind of the people I was encountering. I really loved kind of like talking to strangers about things. I found it really fascinating to talk to strangers about life, you know, and fitness and things like that. So yeah, I was posting on my Instagram, not taking it seriously. Two weeks after that interview, my boss of my eight year long job pulled me aside. And he was like, listen, you're an entrepreneur. You're not supposed to work here anymore. You're Mm -hmm. supposed to do your own thing. He's like, you've always been an entrepreneur ever since you started. So I want you to go, go forth and succeed. And he's like, I'm going to pay you for two months, go start a company. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And he's like, I don't care what the company is. He's like, I will be a client of yours, but go start a company. And I was like, I was like, shit. I said pretty much every swear word ever in my head. And then I was like, okay. I wandered around the city for a few hours in the cold. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do? And then um, sat down and I sat down at a diner on 33rd and Lexington. And I started to write down all the things that I loved doing, all the things that I hated doing, and all the things that I was passionate about in life. And I kind of pulled back from that piece of paper, you know, my notebook and was like, well, okay, the thing I'm clearly that connects all these things is people. I love people. And so I was like, well, that doesn't narrow it down at all. And so, you know, I had dated this guy not that long before that. And he was so talented, but he could never pick anything to do. You know, he, he had all these talents and all these interests and I I saw his success within reach, but he never just picked something to be successful at. And so he kind of never went anywhere. And so I was like, I really learned from that, that sometimes you just have to pick something. And so I was like, all right, so I know it has to do with people. And 
I love celebrating people and I like the aspects of planning and things like that. And so I was like, I'm going to start an event planning company. And I'm saying it very calmly right now. I was very distraught and nervous <laughs> and scared. But two days later, I walked into my then previous office and sent out an email to everyone I had ever professionally known and said, I'm starting an event planning company and this is where you can find me. And about 10 minutes later, I got an email back from one of my clients slash friends. And he said, you helped me when I first started my business. And so I want to be your first client for your new business. And he hired me for my first job. And he's like, I don't have, he's like, I don't have an event to plan, but let's plan one. And it was an amazing gift. You know, it was an amazing thing to have someone, you know, believe in you beyond kind of your talents, beyond what you can do for them, but just want to invest in who you are. And so I think it's rare for people just to invest in each other, you know, without any expectation in return. And so I threw my first event and was busy after that. I mean, I hustled and I barely slept and it was that entrepreneurial life, but I loved it so much. But simultaneously to that, my Instagram was growing at first slowly and then it started picking up and I didn't really understand even what was happening. And then a couple of friends were like, you have 10,000 followers on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, no. I was like, I was like, no, I don't. I was like, no, I don't. And they were like, yes, you do. And I hadn't even noticed because I just wasn't focused on, it. you know, it was, it was some, yeah. something I was doing every day just for fun, you know? And I think I learned something about when you focus on doing something because you are just passionate about doing it and you like doing it, you know, that's when I think growth and inspiration and success happens. And so about a year ago, I put a break on event planning because I just, there's not enough, not enough hours in the day. And I was kind of losing my sanity. And so I put a pause on taking new event clients. And instead, I'm focusing on my personal brand, I have a small staff of people that help me run my brand. And I'm I'm just so excited about growth and the things to come. And so we're building. We're in a building new phase. Yeah, it's amazing. I've loved following you for the short few months that I have, but you've already grown so much since I joined. And I'm so excited to see what's coming up next. But I'm curious, what along this timeline was the period where you were like living with a middle-aged man and just like struggling in New York City? Because I saw your Instagram story the other day when you moved into your new apartment and you were just so grateful for having like your beautiful apartment to yourself. And it's gorgeous, you guys. You have to check it out. But she was talking about how a few years ago you were living with a middle-aged man or with like a bunch of different people and you've gone through so many different phases in New York City. So like what, I'm just curious for my own. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, New York, New York is so insane. And I think you're always kind of in survival mode. I finally feel out of survival mode in my own life, which feels really, really good. I mean, I'm still so incredibly like I'm busier than ever. But I think when you kind of like have this sense of like, okay, I know I have resources and I know I have people to support me and I, and I have like a home base and all those things. Like you feel a little out of survival mode, but yes. So when I first moved to New York, I lived in a really shitty apartment with a friend in hell's kitchen and it was the worst. And I lived in the living room and it was awful. And we only stayed there for a year because it was so terrible. And then we were looking for a new apartment together and about a week and a half before we were supposed to move, my roommate was like, I have bad news. I'm moving to Argentina instead. And I'm like, what? And so I was like, we have a week and a half to find an apartment. And you're telling me that you can't pay a certain amount of rent. And what was so crazy was that I was making so little money at my job. I mean, it was entry level in New York. So I was making like $35,000 a year, which in some places you do just fine. In New York City, when your rent is $1,000 a month minimum for your little tiny shitty living room, do the math, you know, like, and then taxes. So really, for me, I was like, I have no options. I, ha I don't have money to go live on my own. 
and I don't know that many people. And even out of the people I do know, no one's moving in a week and a half. So I resorted to Craigslist, which, you know, not the best, and had some like very crazy experiences apartment hunting in that week and a half. But I finally, after all those crazy experiences, found this man who lived in Park Slope, which is in Brooklyn. And he was looking for a roommate. I mean, he just had a room for rent that he let people rent out, usually students. And I wasn't a student at the time, but I was like, I'm desperate. And I had never been to Park Slope in my life. And I went on the train and I remember I was like, okay, there's a Barnes and Noble here. It can't be that scary. (laughs) I went into his apartment. I remember walking in and he was a handyman and he, he was a musician, but he was a handyman too. He was like 65, retired, but kind of still did, you know, freelance handyman stuff. And I remember walking through the house being like, this, this brownstone apartment is not that well taken care of. And I was like, for a handyman to like have like cracks in the walls, I'm like, what's going on here? But he said his teenage daughter lived with him sometimes on the weekends. And so I felt a little safer about that. Plus he was just a nice dude. But I remember walking down to the living room, down the hallway to the living room and he had a grand piano in his tiny living room. And it was like the worst use of space ever because like, imagine if you had like, 10 feet of space, you know, and like 10 by 10, like putting a grand piano in the middle of it is not the entire thing. I was like, what's going on here? And then the walls were like covered with like shelves with like VHS tapes on it. And I'm like, what are, what is all this? And he's like, it's jeopardy. It's all jeopardy. And he's like, you can watch them whenever. And I'm like, I probably won't. But (laughs) yeah, I was like, wow. Okay. This is a weird place, but I was desperate, you know, and he was nice. And I signed a lease there and I ended up staying there for like two, two and a half years actually. And it was what I could afford at the time. And my bedroom was so tiny that all the furniture touched. And I literally could put my, if if I stepped my feet one in front of the other, I could exactly put four of my feet across my entire room where there wasn't furniture. So it wasn't a a large walking space, but you know, it gave me a safe footing. It gave me what I needed. Maybe it didn't give me what I wanted, but it gave me what I needed at that moment. I actually like some guys moved next door in the apartment building next door and we became very dear friends. I'm dear friends with them now. Yeah. It just, it created a lot of possibility for me, even though it wasn't an ideal situation. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that. I mean, you just wanted it so badly that you were willing to be in that situation where you're uncomfortable and you're not necessarily in the accommodations that you would love. But for some reason, you just felt so like drawn to New York and so drawn to what you were working on that you just made it work. And also, I think what is helpful, you know, is you're around a bunch of people, your friends or people you meet, and you're all in the struggle. You know, you're all in these crappy apartments. You're all making no money. You're all like going to like, oh my God, there's an open bar party this weekend at this place. We could get in for free. My friend knows someone, (laughs) you know, you know, you're like trying to scrap together like what you have and just a ragtag group of dreamers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, I think it helps when you're like, oh yeah, I live in a, apartment with a 65 year old, my friend has like a toilet in their kitchen, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, we all have a shitty living situation. So it kind of makes it okay. (laughs) Right. So you guys had a sense of camaraderie about the struggle. But did you have friends right away when you moved to New York? Or what was that? Yeah, so I actually had a few friends that moved from Texas when I was moving up here. So that was really helpful. They did definitely move away in the next couple years. Like they didn't stick around as long as I did. None of them are as crazy as me. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean I think we all make choices of what what's important to us and some people, you know, just wasn't wasn't a long-term plan. It was like a let's do this while we're really young plan. Yeah, give it a try. But it's it's just so helpful to have that support system around you because I can't imagine having those sort of struggles where 
you don't have much money, you don't know where you're going to live next week, those sort of things with no support system. So that just goes to show how valuable having like your people is. Yeah. And I think it's something that's like, because I understand, you know, the need for community and people, I think that's one reason I really have enjoyed creating an online community because for people, because I was really lucky to have people in a support system and, you know, some people have that, but a lot of people don't have it. And it's like, if like, what I hope is, is that for those people who don't have that in their daily life, that they can come from anywhere in the world and come online and feel a sense of friendship and that someone might understand them. And it's not as good as having, you know, a friend that can come over and lay on your crappy couch, staring at your Jeopardy VHSs, but it is still important and it can play a part. And so, you know, when people message me or send me notes and just say, like, you make me feel like I have a friend, it makes me understand the importance of it. Yeah, absolutely. I have had the same experience. And when I first started my social media, I was in a period of my life where I didn't really have many close friends. I didn't really feel like people geographically near me understood me or wanted to like be a good friend to me. So once I started finding that community on social media, I was so hooked. Like all of my best friends now are people that I've met online. I have moved to be closer to those people. Like those are now my real life people. But I, yeah. So I want to talk more about like social media and fitness and your approach to wellness. So one thing that I just love a lot about your message is that you're very relatable, first of all, and you talk about keeping fitness sustainable and fun and something that like adds to your life. But you didn't always used to be that way. If I remember correctly, like you have had a really significant weight loss and you used to hate vegetables a lot and would never eat them and stuff like that. So what has been that transition? Yeah, I mean, I used to be really unhealthy, but that was because I was like in high school and college and stuff because I was like very social. And also I lived in places like in high school, I lived on the Mexican border. There was, it was not a health culture, you know, it, it was not an exercise culture. It was, it's like a food desert, you know, it's like we lived in a very, very poor area of Texas and, you know, people didn't have, I mean, my family was, did, was doing fine at that time, although there were times when my family was had almost nothing. But at that time, you know, my parents had money and enough to like, you know, have buy us food and stuff like that. But when you go to school with a lot of people that can't afford, you know, we had free school lunch and free school breakfast because people couldn't afford to pay for their own food. And a lot of times, like a lot of the kids in my school, that was all they had all day. You know, they didn't go home to like a hot dinner. You know, they, they ate at school. And then they went home and they didn't eat till they were back at school. And so the reality was, is that the culture wasn't a culture of wellness. It was just, there wasn't, wasn't a lot of access to it. And I also grew up very much as like a party girl. Like that was just the culture there too. Is like, we lived next to the border. We drank a lot. We ate a lot. It was a very like celebratory culture, you know? And so combine drinking a lot, being very social and eating a lot because you're drinking a lot. And because there's no good, healthy food, you know, of course, who wouldn't be unhealthy? I mean, but you know what? The thing that was so crazy is I didn't even really care. Like, I didn't, I never felt bad about myself. I wasn't like an emotional eater. I wasn't struggling with my wellness. I didn't care. I was having fun and I had friends and I dated and I never really felt a hindrance. Even then when I went to college, I didn't feel like it hindered me in any way. And so I think that was a real gift because I didn't really struggle with body image at that time. I actually didn't really think about it. And I liked the way I looked. You know, I thought I was pretty and I thought I was fun. Yeah, I just didn't struggle with that. So in 2009, I kind of made a bet with a guy friend about starting to like eat low carb and like work out. So I started, you know, I started the next day and I just did it. It was like, I'm a very disciplined person. And so for me, it was like an adventure and it was a project and it wasn't necessarily to lose weight. 
I was just like, I wonder if I can do this. I wonder if I can like live a different kind of lifestyle. And so I ended up losing like 70 pounds. I probably gained back 10 of that because, you know, sanity. But like, you know, it was funny because at my thinnest, and I've written articles about this and if you you should go look at an article. If you look me up on Well and Good's website, you'll see this uh, article, which explains it in more detail, better than we can get into today. But basically, you know, when I was at my heaviest weight, I was, I mean, at my lightest weight, my thinnest, I was like the most self-conscious I've ever been. I was like way too into like thinking about my body. I was way too, you know, focused on myself. I, I felt, you know, self-conscious and insecure about certain things. And, you know, that was probably like two years ago that I was at my thinnest, like most, like what most people probably say, like my most fit. I was like, this isn't fun anymore. This isn't the fun project. This isn't the learning experience. This isn't any of that. This is something else. And I don't like it. And so again, I had to change, you know, and I had to inject change into my life and inject a sense of reality. That's when I started kind of really focusing my message off of fitness on social media, because fitness is not everything. What we eat is not everything. It's an important part of my life, but it's a small part of my life. You know, my hour a day working out does not need to be the focus of my personal brand for me. You know, it can be for a lot of people. And I think that's fine for me. I just have a lot of other things that I would I want to talk to people about. And so for me, it was a shift away from that on social media. I still talk about health. I still talk about wellness. I still share what I'm doing. But it is in proportion to what it is in my life. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Like I mentioned in the beginning, I have been a fitness competitor. I've been super hyper-focused on what I looked like, what my workouts were, how much cardio I was doing, like weighing and tracking my food to the gram, including like vegetables, stuff like that. And that just, it becomes your life and it consumes you and everything else has to take a back seat when you are so focused on the way that you look and going to the gym and all of that stuff. So I feel like a lot of people that value balance so much now have gone to some sort of extreme. Our extremes are a little different just based on like competing versus not, lots of weight loss versus not, your background as far as like, for me, I started fitness because I was super self-conscious. I had body dysmorphia, but you started from a bet. It doesn't matter though. We both experienced extremes and that's why we value the middle. I think also like, Society is changing. The world's changing. You know, I don't think positive body image is a trend, but I think it can be something that's more in the forefront of people's minds. And so I think it's more in the forefront of people's minds right now. And I hope it stays there. But it was really hard for me at that time. I was like getting messages from people like, How, I can't find the calories for celery. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is not how we need to be this can't be that way. We can't be like this anymore. And so it's funny because my extreme was actually, when we say extreme, like my extreme was actually being my most fit. Like my extreme wasn't being 225 pounds. I think I was actually probably at my like mentally healthiest place other than where I am now, probably then, Mm. you know? And so I definitely think like, I think you definitely have to experience things in your life to find what works for you. Not just like, the nuts and bolts of what works for you, but like what works for you mentally. Yeah. I think there's not enough focus on like the mental piece. Whereas when I was 125 pounds ready to step on stage, like I literally looked sick to people in real life, but that's what it took to win a trophy. And I got so many compliments and so much attention on social media, but I was mentally and physically not healthy. Right. And now 30 pounds up from that, I am mentally healthy. I have energy to like do things. I can have a social life, but I don't look like a fitness model necessarily. So people don't necessarily think that I'm as fit as I used to be. And that's that's just a shame. But that's one thing that I love about the message that you spread is like fitness is a foundation for your life. It's something that's important, but there are so many other layers to who you are as a human being than just whether or not you have a six pack or like what your workout split is, you know? 
Well, and also like, I mean, that's not really an indicator of health. I know plenty of people that are like, have, haven't worked out a day in their life and eat like crap and have a six pack. Like, I know those people like, is like, you know, like I know people that are naturally thin or naturally bigger. Like I'm a muscular, like I will never be a size two. I don't care. I don't care if I got down to like skin and bones, I wouldn't be a size two. I just wouldn't. And so like, we have these like metrics for health, but it's all based on what it looks like. And the thing is, is like, there's a lot of people that are bigger and what people would say are like average looking people that absolutely are more fit than someone that's tiny and vice versa. It has nothing to do with that. Obviously, you know, if your weight or your health is either you're too thin or you're too big, like obviously that can hurt your health or, or what have you, but I'm not a doctor. And I, I really hate when people on social media are like, I'm not trying to complain about how big she is. I'm just saying it's unhealthy. I'm like, you're not a doctor. You have no idea. You're judging it based on what that person looks like. I'm saying she, cause it's usually women that get the flack. But anyway, I, I, I don't care about weight. I don't think about it. I don't weigh myself. I just, yeah, I just don't care. <laughs> That's so refreshing. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I'm in the, I'm in the fitness industry in some ways, you know, I like, I'm a brand ambassador for Adidas and things like that. But I, I, you know, I'm like, I'm just a human. I'm a human living my life and I'm not in any industry. I'm not part of any group. I'm myself and I'm living my life and on my terms. And so, you know, if people want to associate me with whatever place they want to associate me, great. But, you know, it's like, just live your truth. When you say live your truth and you're so confident about who you are and just like take it or leave it, have you always been that way or did that take a lot of work? I've always been that way. Yeah. Even when I was a little girl, I was that way. Yeah. I mean, I was just like a little like kind of like ball buster child. And, you know, I wasn't obviously like we all go through moments where we feel like more or less secure in who we are. But Yeah. I mean, I I think I've always had this personality and thing of like, I don't really care what people think of me, you know, and I'm just going to do what I need to do. I've been lucky that a lot of people have been loving and supportive of that. Like I'm a personality, either you love me or you hate me. And thank God more people love me than hate me, but you know, I'm not a mild personality. And so, and I've never been, even when I was little, um, my mom always says, I'm like, the same person as I was when I was born. It's really strange. So for people that weren't born that way, who don't feel like that's an innate facet of their identity, do you have any piece of advice for people that need to learn how to step into their own and just own their truth and live it out fully? It's about really cultivating the things that you are good at and focusing on those things and being more forgiving to yourself when when you aren't what everyone else's expectation is. And, you know, I think we all need to do like checks on ourselves. Like, am I doing this because someone expects me to do this? Or am I doing this because I want to do this? You know, or how much of what other people are perceiving is kind of like being a factor in how we're living our lives. And so I think always just kind of like, stepping back. I don't think you have to question every single decision you make in your whole life, but stepping back for a second and being like, okay, am I in a relationship with this guy because, or this woman, because, um, I feel like I don't want to be alone. I don't think I could find anyone better because it's safe because of X, Y, and Z, whatever it is, taking those moments to be like, what do I really want? What actually serves me? And yeah, I just don't think people do that as much. I think we live out of our fear rather than out of our joy a lot. And so it's like, what things bring you joy? Step into them, push into them. And when things don't, step away. I think it's pretty simple. And it's not about like, I have to become this other version of myself. Because I think when you do that stuff, it automatically happens. Yeah, that's so powerful. And even though it's simple, it's it's not easy, but... It, it is simple. If you're self-aware and you're always working on listening to yourself and listening to your heart and not using people's expectations or assumptions to direct your path, then you can step into yourself. But if those things are kind of drowning out 
what's going on internally, you're never going to forge your own way. Yeah, absolutely. So along those lines, as far as just being outspoken and not afraid to live your truth, one thing that is, I would say, different about your platform compared to a lot of quote unquote social media influencers is you're not afraid to talk about the typically ignored aspects of life like womanhood and self-love and feminism and politics. God forbid you talk about politics on your Instagram. <laughs> like you've always been the type of person to lean into those controversial conversations, but how has that been received? It's actually been received really well. You know, I mean, I luckily don't get very much hate online. I've probably gotten like 10 quote unquote, like bad comments in the history of Instagram. So yeah, I mean, people are, I think people are receptive and they may not agree with me, but I think that they know my heart is good. I think that they have an understanding that that's my personality. That's not going to change. And I'm always kind of like pressing into people like, all right, if we don't disagree and you just unfollow me or block me or whatever you want to do. Like, I don't care. Personally, I don't care. I'm not here to build a following. I'm here to be myself. And so my thing is this is like, isn't the problem with our world these days that we just unfollow, block, mute people that we don't agree with? Isn't that the problem in our world? And so instead of doing that, it's like, how do we engage with each other And even if we never talk about politics with each other, even if we never talk about feminism, whatever it is, if we can coexist in the world together and focus on the things that we actually do have in common or we do appreciate about each other, like that is growth. You know, that is moving the needle a little closer to what I would visualize as an ideal world. People really, I mean, I don't know, maybe people, I don't pay attention to who, like what my following or unfollowing numbers are. I know a lot of people track that shit. I don't because that would drive me insane. And I frankly just don't care. But I think that for the most part, the most common commentary I've gotten on those things are, I appreciate you for talking about things that matter because so few people with a platform will. And it's really been amazing to have people be like, I don't agree with you on everything, but I'm really glad that you're using your voice to say something because it is important. And so I think people have a a level of respect. And for me, they have a level of respect for it, but I also have a responsibility to it. Yeah, I love that. I mean, if you have hundreds of thousands of people with their eyes on you, like you kind of owe it to humankind to bring awareness to things beyond what designer made your shirt or like what lip gloss you're wearing, you know? And I think the thing is, is like, it's less about like broadcasting what people should hear about. It's more about being a person that cares about the world and then living your life on, like I live my life in front of people, but it's not about curating a life to live in front of others. It's about having a life that is balanced, having a life that is thoughtful, having a life where I'm engaged in what's going on in the world. And that will automatically project. You know, it's funny. It's like people are like, you know, do you plan talking about these things? Like, do you, and I'm like, no, I, this is what I'm thinking about every day. You know, if I'm, I'm, if I'm thinking about activism that day, I talk about activism. If I'm thinking about something funny, I'm going to say something funny. Like if I'm thinking about you know, my body or people's body image or health or my lip gloss, whatever it is, I'm going to talk about it when it's kind of like in mind. And so it would be very strange for me to not talk about those really important things. And I think about them constantly. If you didn't talk about those sort of things, that would be putting a filter on who you are. And we know that that's not what you're about. I think people want to curate themselves you know, they want to curate a very acceptable version of themselves. And my message is just that you, as you are, uncurated, are good enough. Yeah. And that's so powerful to just, you hold that space for yourself, but I feel like your Instagram and all of your content also kind of hold space for other people to recognize that as well. Gosh, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So, so many different interests and facets of who you are. This is a hard question 
for me at least, where do you see yourself down the road? Like five, 10, one year from now, however far you can forecast. Yeah. I never answer that question. And and I'll tell you, I will answer it in some way, but I, I don't answer it in that way because I think we have a very limited view of what we can do. We have a very, very poor vision of our own futures. And I think for me, the reason why my life right now feels like I am living a dream I didn't know I had is because I failed a lot. It was because I got said no to at a job interview. It's because I got let go from my stable job. It's because I lived, you know, with a 65 year old man and I had to work really, really hard to have a place where I could feel at home. Like, if I would have projected my own future, I would have gotten all the things I ever asked for. And then I wouldn't be living the life that was meant for me. And so I think when we put things in our trajectory, put kind of like milestones in our trajectory, that those things are limits, you know, those things are limiting. And I think instead, I want to put goals for my years ahead of me of like, how can I be more generous with people? Like I want to increase my generosity. I want to give more people work. I want to be continuing to create new things and leaving the logistics of that up to God, the world, the universe, whatever you, your chosen deity is. But, but I, think, I think when we answer those types of questions with any level of seriousness, we are greatly underestimating the power of surprising ourselves. And so, you know, I'm really glad 10 years ago I didn't forecast. I, I'm really glad Anna Wintour dream did not come true. <laughs> you know, I, I really, yeah. I really am glad that my my social media job at ClassPass didn't happen. You know, I'm I'm really thankful that my little tiny ideas, you know, fell through completely, and and the the world and my life surprised me. And so, I would encourage anyone that's listening to this of like stop putting the pieces of your life together and trying to achieve this false sense of security or trying to get this narrative for yourself because truly it's a much poorer version of anything that you will do live openly put your hands open you know i always visualize myself sitting in like a cross-legged seated position and my hands are on my knees facing the sky they're open it's a position of being open to whatever comes so inviting things into your life, but also when things fall into your hands to keep your hands open and you're supporting those things, you're still open to those things, but you're also not clenching your fists around the things that happen because sometimes things go away because they weren't meant for you. You know, whether they weren't meant for you in that moment or weren't meant for you for that period of time, like let that shit go and then continue to keep your hands open to the things that will come. And I think it's like the best way to live. I think it is the most scary way to live. But being really scared is the best, you know, because it really is like being, I mean, you know, obviously like if someone's in your house and they're coming to like kill you, that's not a great feeling. But like being scared and unsure about your future, while it feels so scary, it means that there is infinite possibility. I totally got chills when you were talking about that visualization because that's just such a lesson that I think we could all be a little bit better at. I think as humans who like structure and we like to organize and categorize stuff, like it, it's really easy to try to forecast and it's really easy to try to, you know, manifest that white picket fence or whatever your like thing is. But there's so much more possibility out there that you can't even imagine. So sometimes if you are trying too hard to like paint that picture, you're just limiting yourself. And sometimes when mentally I can't get to that place because we all have days where mentally we're like, I just want to know what the hell is going on. <laughs> I just like want to know, like I want to, you know, we strong arm our own lives. And sometimes when I'm having one of those moments or sometimes just whenever I'm like feeling extra, like I want to be centered and I want to be open is I, I physically do that. You know, I will like literally sit, I've sat on like like the most rant, like hotel room floors of like, what the hell am I doing? I've sat before meetings this way and, you know, obviously not cross-legged on the floor and in a meeting, but like literally under the table with my hands open on my knees, 
of like, whatever is supposed to come of this, let it come. And whatever is not, let it go. Just as a tip, when you're ever feeling stressed or like you don't have direction or that you're afraid, if you can sit down and put your hands out on your knees and sit there and first of all, you know, of course, be grateful for the things that you have and a body that is alive. But then also just being like, help me bring this very physical thing, help this transfer into like my spirit. Let me be a mental, emotional version of this physical act. And it actually really helps. It really does. Like, you know, I think that's one great thing about fitness and exercise is sometimes when we physically do something, our mental capacity gets opened up or cleared out and we can only focus on the physical. And so I always am like when I'm feeling mentally or emotionally stressed or tight, I do something physical that is a representation of how I want to feel inside. Yeah, that's so incredibly powerful. So one last question ending the episode is because this is a Grind and Be Grateful podcast, we have got to know what is one thing that you're currently grinding for and what is one thing that you are just hugely grateful for? So I'll start with gratitude. I'm going to do a gratitude sandwich because I think you should probably start with gratitude and end with gratitude. So one thing I'm especially thankful for is I, over the last year, have gotten to hire an amazing team around me to help me talk to more women and to do more things. And not only are they such a great team and work so hard and so well, but it's more about having women who have a like mind who are trying to build something with you and to build something with other women in a really physical way is pretty incredible. And so I'm always thankful for them and I'm thankful for them just every day, but just particularly right now, I'm not sure, you know, in this moment, why I feel that more deeply. Maybe it's because it's kind of like, you know, a new week and a a new start. And there's a lot of possibilities that I need help with those things. And so I'm always just grateful to, first of all, have the resources to have people around me and be able to pay them to help me do the things that we do, but, and hopefully support their dreams. But also just to be able to work on things and have people understand your vision and see it and say yes with you, I think is so incredibly special. We all want someone to say, I agree. Yes, let's do that. Let's build something. And and I'm behind you. And so that's just always such a point of like, wow, I'm so grateful to get to do that. Something I'm grinding on. I just moved into a new apartment. And aside from like moving hell and like, my move was actually pretty like easy, but just like, it's just not fun to like unpack and like do the whole thing. I mean, the fun part is like the decorating and all of that. But I think what I'm grinding towards is having this space really be a place to create a lot of content for people. I really want to use this space for as much good and just really ring it out. I took a chance financially and, and everything and, and, got a bigger, a much bigger space. And one of the main things I wanted to do with this space is have a sense of generosity because in New York, the one thing we can't be generous with is our space because there's not a lot. And so we can give our money away. We can buy people's drinks. We can pick up the check at dinner. We can do all these things. But the really hard part is being like, come be in a space with me, you know, or use my space for your creative interests or come over and create or let me host you for dinner and bring your friends, you know, and that's such a rare thing here that it was the ultimate generosity for me to be able to do that for people. And so that was part of it. And then part of it is that my second bedroom is just a content creation studio where I'll be creating content for YouTube mostly. And so really opening up stuff on YouTube, I do a little bit, but I just didn't have the space for it before. And so really using my space to do that. So I guess my grinding is just creating a really functional and peaceful and creative home. And then the gratitude sandwich is that 
and this is like a combined gratitude. I've felt so incredibly swamped and busy and tired lately. And that's just like a vulnerable, like I've been feeling a little, you know, burnt out just in the last couple of weeks with just travel and doing a lot of interviews and things like that. But the grateful part of it is that I was on the train home from Boston and I was so incredibly tired. And I looked at myself in the mirror. I'm like, wow, you look terrible. And I was like, I was like, wow, you look like just like a wet rag that got wrung out. I was like, wow, how beautiful is it that you are so exhausted from doing what you love every single day? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I can't be more grateful for anything but that. Yeah. And I also love that what you're grinding for is having a space to serve other people. Like that's your mission is just about bringing people together and supporting others and saving space for them physically and every other way. Awesome. So where can everyone find you? You can find me on Instagram at Shanae Alexander. It's C-H-I-N-A-E Alexander, like everyone else spells Alexander. And you can also find me on YouTube under that. On Twitter, I mostly retweet things that are like a little salty about politics on Twitter. So maybe don't follow me on Twitter. And then keep an eye out for my upcoming podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. So what is kind of the premise of your podcast? Basically a storytelling podcast with people that I find inspiring or who I think have stories to tell because I love stories. And I think by telling our stories is how we can connect with one another the best way possible because they are not only our most vulnerable pieces, but they're our most personal pieces. And when, you know, you can sit down and listen to someone tell you a story about their life, I think you can learn a lot more than, you know, a spilling out of like facts. I think that's been really important in my journey. And I'm really excited to now talk to people about their stories. Yeah, I'm excited to listen to it. I know it's going to be a hit as everything else you do, because like you said, everything is grounded in just your purpose and who you are. So thank you so much for giving us your time. I had a blast talking to you and I will definitely be keeping up with all of your adventures. This is so fun. Thank you guys for listening and thank you for having me. It was really great. Enjoy the rest of your day and everyone go check out Shanae on the interwebs or in Brooklyn. (laughs) In real life or on the internet. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we are able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave the show review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends